Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom. And in that light, I'm always interviewing entrepreneurs, people on the cutting edge, impacting and changing the world. So today we have Stacy Marmolejo, and she's the uh founder and CEO of StacyMarmolejo.com. And today is going to be talking all about um, franchise, starting a business versus startup. And it's going to be um, really interesting. I've always been interested in this um, area of franchises. So um, with that, uh, welcome Stacy to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you inviting me to be here. I think that uh, franchising, and particularly in the in the health and wellness arena, has really blossomed significantly and much more broadly over recent years. So, uh-huh. yeah, we'll talk about the reasons why. Uh, tell us more about how you got started, and um, we'll go from there. Excellent. So, I spent about thirty years in corporate America. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but my father was in the military. And so just the idea of going to work in a corporate environment instead of joining the military was stressful for my parents because they saw the military as security. So I I was in corporate, but I never lost that desire to be an entrepreneur. And so I was a senior vice, I was 45 years old. I was a senior vice president of a national media company. And I decided that if I was ever going to be an entrepreneur, that was the time. So I chucked it in and I bought uh, three locations of a startup franchise and had them for 16 years. And in November of 21, um, I sold my third one and I thought I was going to retire and I was so bored. I was like, I can't sit here and do nothing and I don't play golf. So a friend of mine said, well, why don't you teach people about the franchise industry? And I was like, oh, somebody's, I'm sure hundreds of people do that already, right? And not really. So in the franchise industry, you have franchise consultants, and they are, they earn a commission from the franchisor when they introduce a buyer and the buyer buys that franchise. Whereas if you think about it kind of like a financial planning, you've got the two types of planners, one that earn the commission, and then the other that you pay for information. So when it comes to franchising, I'm like that. You pay me to coach you. I explain everything to you. 
in the end, if a franchise isn't good for you, I'm fine with that because I'm not making any money from either directing someone to a particular franchise or whether they buy or they don't buy. It's much more important to me that we're able to align what an individual wants to do and likes to do with the opportunities that are out there. So I think if they understand how franchising works, then they're in a much better position to know if if that would be a comfortable zone for them. Yeah, it's in, um, yeah, it's almost it's almost like you're selling the tools um, in the education. Right. Um, it's kind of like taking yeah, it it's like uh, taking a prep class for an ACT or SAT. Exactly. Um, yeah, which is quite interesting. And uh, yeah, we I have we know have you know similar. It's very interesting because uh, you 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 were um, what you were brought up in you know kind of a stable and then but you've always been an entrepreneur and then you had this moment of truth and you you know took the plunge um which is you know kudos to you and then you talked about so let's talk about franchising in general um i've had a guest on the, a couple of epi- multiple episodes back but you know he was talking about franchising and it's really you know you can earn a because the upside is so much in your um tell us uh what a franchise is um, simple ways to get started. And we'll talk about the health and wellness franchise. Sure. Um, so in the franchise model, essentially somebody has built a business and they have taught others how to be successful. They've created the playbook. They've created the marketing plans. They've created everything. And what you're buying from them is the playbook. So if you're good at following directions and executing, you can make a lot of money in franchising. Where people tend to go wrong, I think, is oftentimes they're not familiar with the franchise model and they go into a particular franchise, they experience it and they say, oh, I want to own one of these, right? Whereas there are 4,000 franchise brands out there to choose from right now. So... When I'm working with somebody, we I kind of flip it on its head and it's like, okay, so first of all, and you don't need me to do this, you can do it on your own too, but look at your risk tolerance because if you're low risk, then you're going to want to look at a more mature franchise brand to buy. If you're high risk, then it's okay to do a startup brand. Um, so you do the risk assessment. You need to do a core competency to know what you're good at motivators to really understand, like if you closed your eyes and said, what does my perfect work day look like? That's the kind of business that you need to buy. Like, what is it that just really excites you day in and day out? And then the last one is your financial, personal financial statement. So obviously you're going to be investing in whatever business, whether it's a franchise or or a startup. So how much can you afford? And oftentimes people think, well, I want the million dollar franchise, but I can't afford it. So I'll just keep working my job. And I like to say, think about it like a starter house, right? You don't buy the mansion as your first home. You start with a starter house. Maybe you do a little upgrading to it and you flip it and then you get a bigger house. You can do the same thing with franchises as well. And then the other thing is to decide where you want to fit in the franchise ecosystem Do you want to be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond? Because if you think about it, you could get into an an environment where you're one of, you know, 2,000, 10,000, whatever business owners, or you could take that exact same amount of money 
buy a smaller franchise and buy 10 of them. And then you're going to be really important to that franchisor's ecosystem, which means you're going to get more conversations directly. You're going to know where they're going. You'll probably be asked to sit on some advisory boards of the of the parent. So there's there's benefits to that as well. You know, some people like to fly under the radar. And so it just kind of depends on the individual. But if we get if we get to know you and what you love and what you're good at first, then we can take a look at the industries. You know, we're here talking about health and wellness, but maybe you're looking for an investment outside of health and wellness because that's what you're involved in all day, every day. You know, so it's kind of like really doing some some self-evaluation and some soul searching to figure out what makes you happy and what you're good at and what you can afford. Hmm. And then let's find things that fit in that. And then from there, you can decide what path you want to take. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, so you mentioned health and wellness and kind of um, those sounds like these are the trendy or hot franchises right now. Tell us why. I think that more people today, and this is, you probably know better than I do, but I think more people today are taking ownership for their well-being. They're not just automatically going straight to the general practitioner or automatically wanting to, you know, take whatever kind of medicine. There's a lot of people who are who are looking to Eastern medicine to complement their lifestyle or like chiropractic. You know, when I was growing up, chiropractors were considered quacks. And I love my chiropractor now, right? But it took me a long time to even be willing to try one because in my generation, everyone was like, oh, that's not good, right? So now you've got everything from IV hydration spas to chiropractors, to massage therapy, to, gosh, I don't know, all, just all weight loss centers. I mean, you know, think about everything that goes into the well wellness space. Gym, sauna bellows, like, what are they, fat reducing places? Um, you know, there's just so much. And like I say, I think people are much more willing to explore other avenues of treatment, perhaps, than, than they used to be, number one. And then number two, I just think that the wellness industry has just advanced. I mean, it's like technology, you know, it's just skyrocketed in, in my lifetime. And I think wellness is a bit like that, too. Like, who would have ever thought you'd have an uh, IV hydration spa to go to, you know? Yeah. And yet I know several people who went during COVID, if they started not to feel well, that was their first course of of treatment. So yeah, it's um, I mean a lot of it's because the existing medical industry it's kind of there's now there's different ways of thinking about health and you know a lot of treatments that the you know hospitals and traditional you can't find those treatments or you can't find them there, so you have to go elsewhere. There's like yeah, there a, was one I actually had to look up because I wasn't familiar with it, and I'm grateful that I wasn't familiar with okay. it. Um, but infusion pharmacy, mm-hmm. that's uh, hmm. to get the the tools. That's probably not the right word required for the infusion treatments, particularly the at home infusion treatments. You know, mm-hmm. it's like my dad does kidney dialysis. That's another franchise. Um, And he goes to the center, but they've explained to him if he wants, they could fix it so he could do self-dialysis at home. You know, that blows my mind. That just blows my mind. But it's the advancements in technology and medicine. Yeah. And it's interesting with, uh, there's this, uh, this center that opened up, you know, close by where it's like cryotherapy and a lot of... 
Yep, that's another field. Uh, fascinating. So talking about, uh, okay, so talking about some, uh, you talk about um, industry secrets that you need to be aware of before um, buying a franchise or what people need to know that they may not know that they need to know. Yeah, great question. So the franchise industry is regulated by something called the franchise disclosure document. And every franchisor is required to give any prospective buyer a copy of their franchise disclosure document 14 days before anything is signed. So you've got 14 days to review it. Every franchise disclosure document is laid out the same. So, and it's got 26 points. And what happens is it's kind of like when you buy a house and you go to close and they give you a document this thick and then they just flip and they say, sign here, sign here, sign here. Mm -hmm. And people just sign, right? Uh -huh. You don't want to do that. You actually want to read this thing. You want to go over it with an attorney. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's super important to know is not only what those documents say, but what they mean. So as an example, one of the items, everyone is required to fill in every item with one exception. And that one exception is the item 19 talks about your financials. How much money can you make if you buy this franchise? And franchisors can elect not to answer that question. And they have to put in there, we know we can answer it and we're choosing not to, right? Mm -hmm. Just my personal belief system says, if you're not willing to tell me what the average franchisee makes in your system, mm -hmm. then I'm going to make the assumption that it's not very good. Mm -hmm. Because if it was good, why wouldn't you brag about it and put it in the document, right? Mm -hmm. So that would be the first thing I would look at when I was looking at, at a franchise is, are you willing to disclose the earnings of your current franchisees, right? Um, another thing to look at is the length of the agreement. So the franchisor determines how long your agreement's going to be. It could be five. The averages are five, 10, or 20. And so what's the upside and what's the downside to a five versus a 10 kind of thing, right? So when you buy a franchise, you pay an upfront fee, which is called the franchise fee. And then every month you pay an ongoing fee for the franchisor's support. So it's usually a percentage of your revenues. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a set amount each month, but the average is somewhere between six and 10% of your revenues, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about, well, do I want five years or do I want a 10-year commitment? Not that you have a choice, but looking at a franchise, if you're looking at two franchises and one's five and one's 10, the way to think about it, if you're looking to keep it long-term, then you're probably better off with a 10-year term because when you sign the agreement, whatever royalty is in place at that time is the same royalty you're going to pay throughout the agreement, no. unless it specifically states in the agreement they have the right to raise it. Oh, okay. So, for example, with mine, I bought a startup. So they were charging 5% royalties in the very beginning. By the time I sold, they were charging 11%. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I was I was on 10-year agreements. So for the first 10 years of each location that I owned, I was locked into that 5%. Whereas anyone else who was buying at that time was going to be charged 11%. Mm. 
So that's one way to think about, do I want a longer term franchise or a shorter term franchise? I like to say to people, if you're not 100% in on the deal, but you still want to move forward, Mm -hmm. look for a 5% or a a five-year term, Mm -hmm. because that's kind of like going to college, you know? It's like, I can make a commitment. I can do this for five years. And then I can decide if I want to stay with it or not. So so that's another important element to look at in the franchise disclosure document. And then the last thing to really be aware of is you can't just walk away. This is a contractual obligation. So if you if you enter into an agreement for a franchise and then at some point you decide you don't want to do it anymore and you think you're just going to walk away, they will likely sue you to pay them the same amount of royalties that they were collecting from you when you were operating. So mm-hmm. it's... It, now you can sell it, and that would definitely be the better option from walking away. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely sell it. And in fact, franchises sell when you take a franchise business and compare it to an independent startup of the same type. Franchises sell for a twenty percent premium. So there's no reason not to go into it thinking of it as an investment that you're going to turn around and sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was my question. Is uh... Let's say so. You know, this idea you you buy into a franchise uh, is it because when you you know, for example, if you're um, if you're an angel investor, you know, VC, you you basically it's passive, right? But then you buy these these franchises, you're you're the owner. So how much how much of your time are you actually spending, or is it just you're just collecting the uh, you know the monthly income from the the business, you know, minus whatever royalties you're paying? Yep. So great question. So the each franchise dictates whether you can be an absentee owner or you need to be an owner operator. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of them in the health and wellness space don't require the owner necessarily to be medically educated. Mm-hmm. However, they require that the lead person on site is. So mm-hmm. for example, I could buy a chiropractic franchise, even though I'm not a chiropractor, and then I'm required, of course, to hire chiropractors, right? Mm-hmm. And there are other franchises that they ex- you have to be of some medical position mm-hmm. through education, and they require you to be there. So if you're looking for the passive income, that's another thing you're going to want to look at in the franchise disclosure document is, is it owner-operated or can I be an absentee or silent owner? Interesting. And then let's say you decide to share, you know, sell your your uh, ownership in this franchise. Is it uh, I know you said there's a 20 percent premium, but does that mean that it's you usually can you sell your um, ownership at a loss or is it usually more for a gain? So so what I meant by that is if I owned again, if I own Stacy's chiropractor versus a, a franchise chiropractic center, Mm-hmm. And I sold them the franchise brand will sell for 20% premium over the independent brand. Mm-hmm. That's just a general across the board because there's so much more brand value, brand equity in the franchise name than in an independent name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can sell it for anything you want to sell it for. Mm-hmm. Typically, when you go to sell your franchise, the franchise or has the right of first refusal to buy it. 
And oftentimes what that looks like is they wait until you have an offer from somebody mm-hmm. and then they decide if they want it for that price. Because mm-hmm. they don't want to just give you a price, right? Mm-hmm. Also, most franchises are not in the business of owning the businesses. They're in the business of selling them to franchises. Mm -hmm. So they don't really want to own your franchise, Mm -hmm. but if they can get it for a cheap price, then they'll buy it from you and then they'll turn around and sell it to somebody else at a higher price. So that's something for you to think about when you're coming in. And particularly, again, if you're looking at it as an investment, it's like, well, what kind of return do you want on that investment? And are you going to sell it as soon as you hit that point? And then that's going to be part of the decision-making process as to which franchise you might want to buy, right? Which one has the fastest return? That that infusion pharmacy that we were talking about, I I was just curious. So I went and looked. They said there's 3 million patients of infusion treatments, and there's only 1,000 infusion providers. So there's a huge need for it. In 2021, the average gross revenue in this particular brand was $7.5 million. The highest annual gross revenue was $39.8 million. Mm -hmm. The buy-in is about $500,000. So it looks like it's got a pretty decent rate of return. No, I don't know anything about that business, but I'm (laughs) saying just just in my five-minute research, I was like, that looks like some pretty good financial numbers, actually. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, as we're coming to the end of this interview, uh, two more questions. First is, um, you know, someone's interested in uh, buying into these franchises. What type of royalties should they be expecting to be paying to the franchisor? Yeah, again, um, everyone is different. I didn't look at that exact question, but the average across all franchises is somewhere between six and 10 percent. Okay. Yeah. And then less lastly is this idea of um so if you you know buy into a franchise, you get the you're buying into a brand, you know, you kind of have this uh, system, you're buying into the system versus a startup. What are your thoughts, you know? Yeah. So I think particularly today, I think your franchise is going to be your best option. There are statistics that say you get to profitability in a franchise in half the time you get to profitability in an independent startup. So just generic general research statistics. So if you if it takes one to two years in your industry to become profitable, it's going to take six months to a year in that same industry with a franchise. If you think about how people look to find services or businesses, they typically go and do a Google search, right? Or some kind of search online. Franchises always dominate the top of the search engine simply because their website is one website with however many franchises they have that many pages. So if you're in a franchise that has 400 locations, that's a 500 page minimum website, one for the parent company and one for every franchisee. So there's so much content that's relevant and it's updated so frequently that there's no way that you as an independent business could have enough Google juice to climb to the top and above these franchise brands. So because of the brand and how people find you, I think that's one of the reasons that franchises get to profitability faster than 
and dependent. And then the other thing is simply knowing how to do it. So if you're given the playbook and they say, follow this, go to our training, follow this, do exactly what we tell you to, to do, that is leapfrogging anyone who says, I want to start an independent business if they've never owned that particular kind of business before. There's going to be trial and error in the beginning. I mean, there's trial and error in franchising too, but you have a host of people who have, who will tell you how they did it successfully. And then I think the last thing is if you think about, let's say that I own a mental health facility, right? And there's another mental health facility five miles down the road. If it's a member of my franchise, I can call them and say, what's working for you? Because I've done X, Y, Z, and I still don't feel like I'm getting ahead as, as fast as I want to. Whereas if it's me versus an independent five miles away, that independent's not going to tell me what they're doing, right? So not only do you get the benefit of the education of the franchisor and that entire support team, but you also get all the other franchise sharing their best practices and what's working for them. And then lastly, if you're in the same market with some other franchisees, then you can all pool your money together to reduce your advertising costs. So those are just some high level benefits of, of buying a franchise. Yeah, great discussion. Um, it's always this uh, idea of, um, you know, time, money, brand value and um, versus, you know, sweat equity and, uh, you know, you know, franchises has its um, advantages. How do people follow you, contact you, oh, sorry, contact you and, uh, and uh, check your workout? Thank you. Uh, I am at stacymarmalejo.com. I assume you'll put that in the show notes so I don't have to spell it for everybody. Or I'm also on Instagram. It's Stacy Beck Marmalejo on Instagram. And then on all other socials, it's just Stacy Marmalejo. Yeah. And for all the listeners out there, um, let's thank Stacy for, you know, a great uh, discussion, you know, providing a lot of value. And, and be sure to check out all of her resources will be will, resources will be in the links and show notes and you know be sure to check out her socials as well and with that thanks so much for coming on to the podcast thank you so much i really appreciate it your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y.com these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration this product is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week